Hello, everyone. Thank you for turning in to Becker's Healthcare Podcast. My name is Gary Myers. I'm the National Director with the American Heart Association's Quality Outcomes Research and Analytics Division, and I'll be moderating for today's discussion. Today's podcast is brought to you by the American Heart Association's Target Aortic Stenosis Initiative. First, I'd like to introduce our guests for today, uh, Dr. Brian Lindman and Dr. Sammy Almeria. Dr. Lindman is the Medical Director of the Structural Heart and Valve Center and Associate Professor of Medicine at Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. Dr. Almeria is Section Chief of Interventional Cardiology and Associate Professor of Medicine at UCSF in San Francisco, California. So first, we're here today to talk about undertreatment of aortic stenosis. And Dr. Lindman, can you tell our listeners, what do we mean by that? Sure. Uh, thanks, Gary. It's good to join you today. Aortic stenosis is a common heart valve disease that occurs in 5 to 10% of individuals 65 years of age uh, and older. There are no medicines to slow uh, the progression of aortic stenosis, that is the progressive narrowing of the valve. Uh, and once aortic stenosis becomes severe, uh, and usually once symptoms such as shortness of breath or chest pain occur, the ACC AHA guidelines for valvular heart disease recommend as a class one recommendation, aortic valve replacement via a surgical or transcatheter approach. Uh, however, ample data now exists to show that in patients with symptomatic severe aortic stenosis, valve replacement uh, is associated with reduced morbidity and mortality. However, uh, several recent reports uh, indicate that 50% or more of patients with symptomatic severe aortic stenosis are not getting treated with aortic valve replacement, and uh, this is a problem. Thanks, Dr. Lemon. Uh, now, Dr. Almeria, your group recently published a paper in Jack on this issue. Can you talk a little bit about what you found? Of course, happy to do so, Gary. So we um, were very intrigued by this concept of AVR underutilization and so opted to look at our own data and our own institution. This is back when I was at, within the Mass General Brigham Health System. And so we did a retrospective study that included nearly 12,000 patients over an 18-year period. And we went back and looked at these patients' echocardiograms. We identified patients with very high likelihood of severe aortic stenosis that also had developed clinical symptoms and traced this uh, the, the frequency of aortic valve replacement over time. Of course, our, our study period included the introduction of tavern. So it was very interesting to look to see whether that modified our ability to treat patients with aortic valve disease. And what we found was that TAVR did in fact increase the frequency of aortic valve replacement for symptomatic severe aortic stenosis. But unfortunately, even though we we're doing more AVRs between surgery and the transcatheter approach, the proportion of patients receiving an AVR remained relatively stable over the 18-year study period. And the reason for this, of course, is, as we all know, the proportion of our population that is elderly is growing, and it is keeping pace, essentially, with the increases in our procedural volumes. And so overall, we found that only about 50% of patients with symptomatic severe aortic stenosis actually received an aortic valve replacement. So this is really 
really, I think, demonstrates the fact that we can do tremendously better, better given the implications of aortic valve disease. Uh, what we found uh, to, to confirm this is that patients that did not receive an aortic valve replacement have a markedly worse uh, survival rate. These patients are likely to die if they do not undergo their aortic valve replacement. So this is a life-saving therapy that really just hammers home the point that we need to do a better job treating patients uh, with this and with this disease process. Thanks, Dr. Elmeria. Now you both have highlighted the consequences of undertreatment of aortic stenosis and how common it is. Dr. Lindman, from your perspective as an imager and a non-proceduralist, can you offer some thoughts on why undertreatment is so common? Yeah, I'll uh, share a few uh, that come to mind. Uh, first is that there's a large number of patients with so-called discordant aortic stenosis in terms of its severity. Their valve area is less than one, suggestive of severe aortic stenosis, but their transvalvular gradients are below the uh, typical thresholds for severe of 40 and 4 meters per second. So they are often characterized as having only moderate aortic stenosis or moderate to severe aortic stenosis in echo reports. And because aortic valve replacement is only for those with, quote, severe aortic stenosis, uh, these patients with low gradients uh, and oftentimes low flow are often watched and not further evaluated with for example, a aortic valve calcium score to clarify whether in fact they have severe aortic valve disease. And uh, Sammy's study, uh, albeit non-randomized, um, points to the mortality cost uh, of this reality. So that's, that's one uh, common reason perhaps uh, for undertreatment. Another would be uh, ambiguity regarding symptoms or, min, um, or minimizing uh, the degree to which symptoms are present. Uh, our referral system for aortic stenosis has historically been, and in many respects still is today, reliant on general cardiologists to determine timing of referral and treatment. And it's not uncommon for them to sit on patients with what are perceived to be mild symptoms. And, Perhaps too often, the referring clinician may wait until symptoms are more overt or severe. Uh, also, we should acknowledge that among older patients, many in their 70s and 80s, there can be a tendency to ascribe symptoms to aging, uh, thereby normalizing them rather than seeing them as an indication that the aortic stenosis needs to be treated. Uh, and, and finally, um, Really to date, uh, quality, quality in, in the treatment of aortic stenosis has entirely focused on the procedure and afterward. We have the TVT and the STS registries that look at outcomes uh, of the procedure and, and the 30 to 30 day period, the one year period after the procedure, which is great and important. Uh, but there's no accountability for what happens upstream of a procedure and awareness of whether patients who warrant aortic valve replacement are getting referred in a timely and appropriate manner. And so there's a real need uh, for a quality initiative uh, in that space. Great, thanks. Dr. Elmiria, you're an inter interventional cardiologist. Do you have any additional thoughts on this uh, to help explain this under treatment problem? 
Yeah, absolutely. So building on on what Brian has mentioned, I do think that an accurate assessment of patient risk is very important uh, when decisions regarding their treatment uh, are made. And so, you know, to to explain this a little bit further, a lot has happened in the field of valvular heart disease and the treatment of aortic stenosis over the last decade. Of course, TAVR has rapidly evolved and has become a robust alternative to patients, uh, to surgery for patients with aortic stenosis at all risk levels. And at this point, we are routinely able to treat the majority of patients with aortic stenosis over the age of 65 with very low complication rates, very short lengths of stay. On average, uh, the risks associated with TAVR is less than 1% chance of death, procedural death, and uh, approximately a 2% risk of stroke. Um, and while we within the interventional community and, and the surgical community that are involved in valve programs and certainly our echocardiographer colleagues within this programs as well, you know, we live and breathe these things. And so these risks are very familiar to us. But I must say that many clinicians who are longitudinally managing many of the patients that we're caring for, whether they be primary care physicians or perhaps general cardiologists, may not appreciate the low procedural risks associated with, with TAVR. And so if let's say, for example, we have an 80-year-old patient with symptomatic severe aortic stenosis, the provider themselves may hesitate to send that elderly patient for an invasive procedure. Um, and similarly, if the patient themselves expresses some reluctance, there may be less, less convincing. You know, they may be less prone to try to convince that patient to at least seek uh, an expert opinion and to speak with valve team members that can more fully uh, explain the risks and also the benefits of these procedures. And so unfortunately, based on our study and, and uh, our study and others, there are compelling evidence to suggest that the elderly population are less likely to be referred for this life-saving therapy, despite the, the, despite the fact that they are the ones most uh, frequently faced with this decision um, and most likely to be affected uh, with aortic stenosis. And beyond that, there's certainly um, also, I think, a, a growing amount of evidence suggesting that there are also disparities to care that are based on ethnicity, uh, racial profile, and also gender. In the United States, nearly 90% plus of patients that receive a transcatheter aortic valve replacement are Caucasian. And that certainly suggests that there is a very uh, strong disparity in the delivery of aortic valve replacement across the country. Uh, and part of that has been, um, part of that associates with the fact that minorities have less access to specialists uh, and specialty care. And so certainly uh, multiple ways in which we can hopefully work together to try to um, improve awareness of aortic stenosis and also increase utilization of AVR as a life-saving therapy. Okay, well, you've both outlined quite a number of potential reasons for the undertreatment of aortic stenosis. Dr. Lindman, do you have any thoughts uh, regarding potential solutions to address one or more of these problems? Yeah, thanks, Gary. It's it's uh, it's important starting point to understand for perhaps some of the reasons for undertreatment, but also critical to 
consider potential solutions. Education and awareness campaigns uh, among clinicians and patients are certainly important, and that's often our default. Um, but this, to me, really seems like a system problem that will be best solved by a system solution. Uh, perhaps outside of valve disease, as a historical example, uh, when it was recognized that a delay in revascularization for acute myocardial infarction was associated with substantial morbidity and mortality, and there was marked heterogeneity in, um, in, in treatment time uh, at different facilities, a national quality program developed that was focused on door to balloon time. And hospitals needed to create a system to ensure that patients coming through their doors with an acute MI were treated with revascularization in a timely manner. And uh, to meet these metrics, it required alignment of multiple stakeholders uh, and systems uh, focused on a clear goal. So similarly, uh, we need such a system for aortic stenosis. And uh, recognizing this, as you know, the AHA and uh, about three years ago created the Target AS initiative with the goal of identifying, measuring, and reporting on processes that occur from the from the initial echo diagnosis of AS uh, with the long-term goal of improving patient outcomes. And the initial three-year pilot phase uh, is coming to conclusion, and it included 15 diverse centers through the U throughout the U.S. Uh, data was collected and entered into a registry for patients identified with moderate or severe aortic stenosis. And metrics to track quality in the management and treatment of AS were developed and refined. Uh, the initial report uh, hopefully will be published soon. Uh, and recently, Edwards and AHA announced that this partnership will continue for another three years and be expanded as we move to phase two. Uh, ultimately, the goal is to have a quality initiative that focuses on everything upstream of the AVR procedure, the things that we've been discussing today. Uh, because, as I alluded to a moment ago, the TBT and STS registries already handle very well what happens during and after the procedure, uh, but we need an increased focus on the uh, management pathway, referral pathway, and timely treatment of patients who have been identified and diagnosed with uh, symptomatic severe aortic stenosis. Yeah, thanks, Brian, and thanks for mentioning um, phase one and now newly announced phase two of target aortic stenosis. It's, it's been great working alongside you in, in this target aortic stenosis initiative, and uh, we at the AHA are really excited to see where this will go and, and, the, and the improvements in patient care that uh, will result. Uh, Dr. Almeria, you've launched a study to try to address the problem of undertreatment. Could you tell a little bit more about that? Yeah, of course, happy to do so. So motivated by the findings in our recent publication on the undertreatment of aortic stenosis and also in the spirit of what Brian has just described, we recently launched the DETECT AS trial. This is a randomized clinical trial in which clinicians are actually being randomized to receive electronic notifications through email and also through our electronic health system, uh, uh, electronic health record to notify them and highlight the fact that one of their patients may have received an echocardiogram indicative of severe aortic stenosis. We're also taking that opportunity to uh, remind physicians of the uh, American Heart Association and ACC guidelines regarding the management of uh, aortic stenosis. 
And the hope is that this study, by again highlighting these findings and perhaps clarifying some of the discrepant findings that may be present on an echocardiogram and perhaps just simply in reminding patient, uh, reminding providers that patients should be referred to heart valve teams and the indications for aortic valve replacement, we're hoping that this will modify the utilization of AVR and hopefully promote the referral of these patients appropriately. Great, thank you. You know, we've spent uh, just kind of a, just a few minutes and we've learned a lot about the undertreatment of aortic stenosis, including consequences and frequency, some of the reasons for it, and some of the potential solutions uh, to this problem. Dr. Lindman, Dr. Almeria, I want to thank you both for your insights on this issue and your efforts to address it. I would also like to thank Edwards Life Sciences uh, as they are our national sponsor of Target Aortic Stenosis. You can also tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting their podcast page. Thank you.